What's up people, welcome back to Rebranded Safety, this is episode 9. So the weekend, as you would have heard if you listened to our last podcast, I got married. So now I'm coming to you as a married man. Um, I've got a massive to-do list from uh, our packs of decorations around me so i'm going to hopefully keep this one nice and short mainly because i thought i'd done my notes for the uh, podcast for today but uh, i haven't so this will be nice and short and sharp so what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about why training more specifically why health and safety training doesn't work so hopefully <clears throat> you guys some of you guys listening are trainers or do trainers or hire trainers and this will help you out we'll talk about some of the things to think about as to why training commonly doesn't work and obviously how you can change that to improve your training and then in turn your culture and your work place so let's get into the podcast Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We need an oppressive regime of health and safety regulations. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent and your host, James McPherson. Okay then, so first things first, I do want to say one thing about the place I got married. If you live in or around Daventry slash Northamptonshire area, I would massively advise getting married at Dodmore House. It was phenomenal. It's a beautiful place. The staff could do nothing more to have made our day perfect they were unbelievable uh, last wednesday or this wednesday actually yeah this wednesday no wait because today's Tuesday. last wednesday uh they won the national events team award i think for the second year in a row i'm not sure don't quote me on that but anyway they're absolutely amazing so if you live around northamptonshire daventry area or it's within a reasonable drive get your eyes down there if you're thinking of getting married it is unbelievable so let's get into this podcast what are we talking about we're talking about why your health and safety training or your training specifically because these theories will apply to all training doesn't work you got the wrong people in the room let's talk about that first so what do we mean about the wrong people in the room because you got people who are machinists for example or engineers and you're sending them on engineering training well they're engineers okay what does it mean they're supposed to be an engineer and that's a really difficult thing to spot and it's a really difficult thing to fix as well um that's something you really need to consider if you've got the wrong people in the room um then they're not going to benefit from that training and they're not going to they're not going to be what you need or want them to be so let's think of an easier and easier example of that then first aiders fire wardens safety reps people like that that have volunteer roles on top of their normal roles are asked to be first aiders fire wardens safety reps etc etc right they have to say yes to that right and they've got to be the right kind of person to do that what is the right kind of person to be a safety rep 
it's difficult to answer isn't it? I think they've got to be a good communicator they've got to be open-minded they've got to be reasonable what about a person who is wants to be a first aider are they the right person to be a first aider you know are they calm under emergencies do they do you know are they calm under pressure do they not panic um, are they okay with the sight of blood are they great communicators calm communicators you know we don't want someone coming in and be like oh my god yeah your legs come up but it's all right I know exactly what I'm doing you need someone who's like all right I'm just gonna you know in real calm voice um, you know think about things like that do they want to be what you're asking them to be okay so if we say as a business what well, everybody's going to be trained as a first aider you're probably not going to get a great impact on that training because not everybody wants to be a first aider a lot of people just hate the idea of doing that they want to avoid themselves from that so have you got the right person in the room you know same goes for fire wardens they need to be calm under pressure they need to know what they're doing they need to be able to think you know logically under pressure if you don't have these people, uh, sorry, if you don't have the right people in the room, your training is shot before you even start. You know, you've got to make sure they have the right attitude as well. Yeah, so attitude is a big thing. It's a big thing for the trainer and it's a big thing for the delegates as well. And we'll talk about the trainer in a bit. But if they don't have the right attitude towards the class or the, the, the role or the volunteer role that they're doing, then again, your training is shot before you even start. Do you understand learning types? Do you understand the different types of learning types? You know, visual, audio, kinetic, all these. Do you understand that? And do your does your training cater for as many types of these trainings as possible? So if I'm doing a training course, I try to cram in loads of different changes, loads of different types of ways of learning. So you know, we'll be spending 20 minutes out in the factory shop floor or out and doing something that relates to the training that we're doing. We might do 20 minutes sitting down looking at PowerPoint talking. We might have, you know, 20 minutes of just discussions with each other. We might have a couple of videos in there as well. You know, a couple of guest speakers, things like that. You've got to try and cater for all of these learning types. And that's a really difficult thing to do in a training session. And anyone who's a trainer out there will know that is an extremely hard thing to do. But the harder you work at it before, you know, you'll reap the benefits later on when you're going into the workplace and you're seeing this training take effect and take benefit. Are you talking about the wrong stuff in your training? Right? So there's one thing I absolutely hate seeing in a training course and that's where we spend five, six, seven slides or 20 minutes, half an hour talking about health and safety law. Right? Who needs to know? Really, honestly, do these people need to know about the health and safety at work act? I, I really don't think they do. I really do not think they need to do need to know that stuff, sorry. I really don't think they give a shit but whether it's section one, section two, section seven, section thirty-two, blah blah blah, subparagraph. It's bloody boring it is so boring and it doesn't relate to what they need to know they don't need to know the law most of these people you know we're talking about let's say like cdm training or we're talking manual handling training or we're talking just health and safety at work training you know we'll, and we'll talk about the types of training in a bit anyway but you know do they need to know about what type of law deems that we have to do this no they really don't also Another pet hate of mine is when you go into a training course and the first thing the trainer says is, right, I know none of you want to be here, but we've got to get this done. 
that communicates one thing to me is that the trainer don't want to be there anyway and that the trainer doesn't care and that the trainer has had enough because he has been given people that don't want to be in that room over and over and over again which brings us back to our main point you've got the wrong people in the room and then that's that's demoralized your trainer and then your trainer has is, is, is communicating a negative message from the second he speaks by saying something like that therefore you know, your training is doomed again before it's even started so one other thing is when people walk into a training room right normally I would say probably 99% of the courses I've gone to are silent it's a really horrible awkward silence nobody knows each other depends on if you're in the same workplace maybe if you if, you, if you're doing like in-house training to your work team maybe this doesn't apply so much but let's say you've been sent away to go on a course yeah so you've been sent away to go on a CDM course for example right you're all from different companies you're all from different bags and you different places different people and nobody knows each other and it's one thing especially the Brits are very good at is not talking to each other because that's socially awkward and we're all socially awkward and we just want to sit and be quiet and wait for the trainer to come in and force us to talk to each other and then we'll talk to each other unless you might be lucky you've got some guy who likes to talk and who likes to find out about people and likes the sound of his own voice like me and we'll go in and start talking because I hate awkward silences so how do we solve that I think it's pretty simple you can put the radio on put the radio on in the background yeah oh what radio can't put radio one on well put whatever radio on it really doesn't matter put radio two on radio three on radio four you know whatever just put something on or even just make a playlist you know a pre-training playlist and put that on it just makes it a bit more a bit more enjoyable a bit less awkward it makes it a nice environment yeah to so try and create that calm inviting entertaining environment short of being able to put pints on the table you know all we can do is give them a bit of music so what's next the next biggest thing for me is that you don't have the environment to support the training so a lot of people have said to me over the years is what do we focus on first do we focus on the training or do we focus on the 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 workplace so the procedures and policies and stuff like that and it is a difficult question because you know you might put the procedure and policies in place um, and then everyone's like well we haven't been trained to do it and that is difficult so do you create the environment first or do you create the training first in my opinion it's harder but I think you've got to sort the environment first you've got to have the policies the procedures the risk assessments whatever you're training these people to do or asking them to do in your training it's got to be there in the workplace because if they go to this training course and the trainers going blah 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 I need to do this do this do this do this and then they go into the environment and none of that stuff's there training's gone straight away it's forgotten it's, it's completely left the brain because it's just like oh we, don't, we just don't do that here you know that's not how we work here so it makes the training null and void straight away so you've got to focus on your environment first 90% of learning is done through the workplace it's done through doing yeah 10% of learning is in the classroom so I'm sorry trainers but you literally provide 10% of learning to your delegates that is it right do I can I tell you where exactly where I got that information from yeah I got it from a podcast with the chemistry group um, and they're like uh, from, from what I can get a feel from them they're basically like 
training specialists and culture developers and, and it's all around like psychology and science of learning and stuff like that and I got it from there and I had a look and it seems to be you know there's a lot of different statistics and and there's a lot can be said about statistics but it seems to be on point so 90% of learning in a workplace is done in the workplace 90% of learning is done in the workplace wow that's unbelievable and there's something that professor scott geller who the guy who invented behavior based safety says he says practice makes permanent not perfect practice makes permanent not perfect i thought that was awesome practice makes permanent the more we practice the more we practice it permanently stays in the brain why do you never forget to look to ride a bike why do you never forget to drive a car how to drive a car because you do it all the time you know when you're a kid you learn to ride a bike you do it I do it you do it you do it you do it you redo it redo it you know you literally get up every day and you learn the bike ride a bike ride a bike and that practice and then it permanently sticks in your brain that's what we're trying to do here so you've got to create that environment where people can practice what you're teaching them in the classroom yeah the language of the brain is repetition so we've got to repeat 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 and if you've only got them for 10 minutes in the classrooms how do you do that you create that environment where they can do exactly what you taught them in the classroom so focus on your environment first so let's say you are doing a massive massive change in the workplace yeah so you're completely overhauling the way you manage, I don't know, manual handling. Let's go with that. So you're completely overhauling your manual handling risk assessments, your manual handling training. So what do you do? You can't put the new system in place because then people say, well, we haven't been trained on this new system. And there's always going to be, excuse me, it's always going to be a bit of an overlap. So what I would say is create your environment, but don't press go. So get it ready, right? And, and this may or may not work for you, but get everything ready your policies your procedures your your risk assessments your new manual handling assessments whatever you're going to do get them all ready to go and then i would pick a few key people and key positions throughout each level in your organization you know and probably more than one you know a couple of groups and train them and they become maybe like ambassadors and then you say to them do not go on this yet you can leak it, you can talk about it if you want, but don't go on it. Just say, FYI, this is coming, it seems really good. And just create those key people, those gurus, those ambassadors, those Jedis, whatever you want to call them. Maybe they're your safety reps, yeah? Something like that. Pause. Do your training. Yeah, so now we've got big training plans. So now we're going to roll out this manual hand, this new manual handed training, this introduction to our new system, to the whole business. We go, we train it all out, right? Now what do we do because it's going to take you a while to train all of your people assuming you've got quite a lot of people so this is difficult. So how do we do that? In answer I, I really don't know because it's different for you it's different for each business but maybe you go straight away and you just have a faced approach so once you've been trained you go into this one you know or you go that way and, and manual handling is probably a bad example because it just kind of happens as we go you know but you could do a phased approach once you've been trained we we want to see this and if you set yourself a tight timeline to say within a year we're going to get all these people done then it's hard and it's hard but it, it's going to probably work better it, it's not easy to do it the right way okay and we i think we mentioned in the last podcast about instant gratification you know it something we we have to deal with nowadays and it's something that's really really hard um and this this kind of thing this big culture change this big process change is slow and arduous so i would say just focus on getting your environment ready to go 
at least ready to go, even if you put it out there. Now, however it works for you, but the environment has got to be there when they come out of that training room, all right? So, what else could be going wrong in our training? And so we've done, we've done the environment. We've got the right people in the room. Yeah, we're talking about the right stuff. We're not boring them with health and safety law, etc., etc. Maybe you've got a bad trainer. <gasps> oh dear, here we go again. I'm gonna get myself in trouble for moaning about health and safety professionals and trainers. Well, you've all been to these training courses where the guy has got an illustrious career in health and safety or engineering or whatever, and he's got some cracking experience does not make him a good trainer you've got to be a certain type of person to be a good trainer a good worker a good health and safety professional a long-serving you know worker or engineer or whatever does not make you a good trainer your personality your enthusiasm your attitude the way you communicate makes you a good trainer you need to be the kind of person that thrives off of public speaking you need to like me love the sound of your own voice you need to really love getting up in front of people and talking and educating and discussing with people and you need to thrive off of controversial stuff as well so you know you need to be able to say stuff and be aware that you're going to get stuff thrown back at you and someone not agree with you whether it's controversial or not but you know conflict's probably the best word you need to like conflict as well because you're going to get conflict especially if you're training to like senior management and you're trying to really change the way they work you're going to get people come back and say i don't agree with you yeah, it depends on what you're training here, you know, and I'm probably not senior management, you know, it could be anyone. You're asking people to do something a different way. They're not going to like it sometimes. You need to like that. You need to be prepared for that. And you need to have a specific way to deal with it because you need to win the room. You've got to win the room. And then one person in that room can make you lose the room. So you've got to be very good at relationship management. And you've only got a short amount of time to do this. Okay. You've also got to be prepared to deal with people that just don't want to be there because you're going to get, like we've just said earlier, the wrong people in the wrong room. So think about you, think about how you train, think about your trainers if you hire trainers, you know, and if you're hiring a trainer, go sit in the room with them five or six times watching their training courses and think, am I engaged? Because if you're not engaged, your, your, your staff are not going to be engaged either. If you're a trainer, and you don't like public speaking, you shouldn't be a trainer. Yeah, so any type of public speaking. So it could be one that's one that's fresh off the boat, a speech at a wedding. Now, if you're dreading a speech at the wedding and you really, really do not want to do it or you avoid it like the plague, you're not a public speaker, therefore you should not be training. All right? You could be doing toolbox talks maybe because you can, you know, it depends how you do a toolbox talk, but it could be, um, you know, more like a conversation. A good toolbox talk could be like that. Right, what next? You don't understand the difference between education and training. So what's the difference between education and training? Well, here's a description from Professor Scott Geller, yet again, my uh, one of my favorite guys in health and safety. So his, his definition of it, what's the difference between education and training? If you've got kids, would you prefer your kids to go to sex education or sex training? 
I'll let that sink in. I think the answer is sex education, isn't it? So, in a split second, that will tell you the difference between education and training. Training is how to do, practice and doing, and education is understanding and educating, yeah? So a training session should have both, should it not? When it educate you why we're doing what we're doing, how it works, what you know, what it is, blah blah blah. And then we're going to teach you how to do it. We're going to train you. So separate the two. So if you, if you, here's another good way of looking at it, right? If you've got e-training at work, so online training, right? It isn't training. It's e-learning, which is why everyone's changed it to e-learning over the last, what, 10 years. E-learning is learning. It's education. So if you're using e-learning for your, all of your training, it doesn't work because it's not training it's education you can't teach someone how to lift a box via e-learning you can teach them with training so does that mean hang on a minute james does that mean i've got a massive massive business and i can i you know e-learning allows me to go to hundreds of people in a second and train them on manual handling. You're telling me I've got some one trainer around the whole business. It's going to take me 10 years. No, I'm not. I'm thinking you combine it with good supervision. I'm thinking you combine it with toolbox talks from the managers. I think you combine it with things like that. And you have the education on your e-learning. And then you're starting to complement the two. And obviously that needs to be on kind of like a risk-based approach. So if someone's working in an office and e-learning and a couple, maybe talk us talk every three years on manual handling, or you just work manual handling into a safety discussion in a meeting, I don't, I don't know. There's many ways, but a pretty low level way to go. E-learning is probably a good chunk of that delivery method. However, if this person's an engineer or, you know, driving around a handyman, driving around the van with loads of tools and, you know, lugging stuff here, there and everywhere, then e-learning is not sufficient because they're doing a lot of manual handling training. So proportionate to the risk. You know, we spoke about this in risk assessments, didn't we? Everything's got to be proportionate and so is your training. Your training's got to be proportionate as well. If you're doing a massive, massive over-the-top training session and... It's for a really low risk thing that people do every now and again. You're gonna lose the room. So you need to focus on that as well. Once you understand all of that stuff and you understand the difference between education and training and you understand you know, how you can work that into your training course and you've got the right people and you've got your tried to cater for as many, as many uh, learning types as you can. They're starting to build now a really, really good training course. And then when they leave that good training course, they're going into the right environment to cater for the 90% of their learning because you absolutely nailed that 10%. You've only got 10%, remember that, you've only got 10% of their learning. So let's smash that 10% and absolutely cram it with the highest quality learning that they can get. Yeah? So. Variety is another thing I like. I'm kind of touched on this in learning types. Variety in your training, right? If you're one trainer and you're doing a day's course and it's just you, you need to you need to stop. You just need to that course is not gonna work. They're gonna be bored of your voice within an hour. 
I would say. You need to add some variety to that. So you need to get them talking to each other. You need to get them out and about and doing stuff. You need to give yourself a break as well because even if you enjoy talking, you enjoy public speaking, it's hard to do it for a long time, yeah? So if you go over an hour, I'd really start thinking about putting some team exercises in, some team discussions in, um, you know, debates, things like that. If you start going over two hours, I'd really start thinking about getting guest speakers in. Yeah, that doesn't mean go and pay and Sir Clive Woodward to come and come in and you know tell everyone how he won the England Rugby World Cup, England, the Rugby World Cup for England. Um, it means you know get an engineering manager in, get a. I don't know, the CEO in to come and do a 20 minutes chat or something. I don't, it depends how big the business is, it depends how plausible that is. But there are people out there that will come and talk about anything. Hey, you want to message me? I'll come and do a guest speaker for you. If you've got health and safety training or something like that, I'll come and do a guest speaker for you. There's loads of people that would be willing to do it. Yeah. Even if it's within your business, you just get someone to, someone to come in and just say, you know, we had this training in our department a year ago and this is how it's come out and this is how it worked, this is how it looks, this is how it feels. Yeah. Think about getting different people to come in. We used to, uh, on our business mind, used to get different health and safety professionals in when we were doing IOS managing safety. So we'd get one guy to come in, for example. There's one guy I really liked who did um, uh, talked about this thing he called scary death. Um, and I'll probably talk about that again at a later date. But he had this great um, way of describing you know, risk by this scary death story that he'd made up. So we used to bring him in as much as we could or as much as he was available. And then we had another couple of people who had these phenomenal experiences and phenomenal stories from you know years in the armed forces or years working in different industries. And we just get them in for an hour or if we were near there or in their location, we'd just get them in for an hour, just have a chat and, and just tell us some different stories. Hear a different voice and that's the biggest thing. The next thing I would say is I heard it on a video that was taking the mick, uh, I don't know about something that's in popular culture right now, but this lady is a comedian, she basically said, if we're laughing, we're learning. And, and that's a saying that I think I've heard many times before, but if we're laughing, we're learning. And I think if we're laughing, we are learning. You know, that's a big thing for me. I like, I quite enjoy being funny, and I, and I do try to work quite a lot of little jokes, one-liners in my head or on my notes or anywhere into a training course. Yeah, and if they're bad jokes, they're bad jokes. Just roll with them. Yeah, you've got to be good at this. It's difficult. You know, you've got to be that kind of person that enjoys it. But you know, if you make a bad joke, you know, you can make a joke out of that bad joke. You can make a bad joke, and then the film goes, "Oh my God, that was bad." You can say, "FYI, guys, the jokes don't get any better." You can make a joke about the joke. But if they're laughing, they start to like you and you start to build that subconscious relationship with them. And then they start to enjoy themselves and then they start to listen and the serious stuff where they need to listen because they like you. They like your voice, they like your laugh, they like your jokes and stuff like that. Okay? Don't use scare tactics, right? Don't be too serious and don't use scare tactics, right? If you're standing there, I was at a CDM course a couple of years ago and I remember the guy saying, specifically said you know if you don't do this right guys you can go to jail and I said the likelihood of these people considering their positions of them going to jail is extremely low and he was like no you're wrong and then we had a bit of a debate anyway blah 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 
he was dead serious this guy and it was just like oh my god it was so over the top you know we weren't allowed to we all did these really cool like site plans and my i really liked our team the one that we did um so i took a picture of it and he gave us a he gave us an absolute rollicking because we took a photo of it because we could have sent that photo to someone else and, and i was just like jesus christ mate come on this is a bit over the top you know, try not to be too serious. There are times when you need to be serious, and I understand that. Um, and if you're laughing and joking with them through the whole day, and then towards the end of the day, you say, right, lads, you know, lads and ladies, we need to be serious at this point, um, then they'll probably listen to you. But scare tactics do not work anymore. They're outdated, you know. You're losing a finger if you do this. You're losing a life if you do this. You know, I'm I'm not against you using like heartfelt stories. You know, of, of there's videos out there of these people. Oh, I should like to use them. Are these stories of people who are giving an honest account of you know why they didn't listen, they're working at high safety, and they fall off, and now they're disabled and it's completely changed their life. I don't think that's scare tactics. I think that's like emotion tactics maybe. Um, but but me standing in front of a classroom and saying, oh, if you don't do this, you go to jail. Oh, if you don't do this, you will die, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work. It really doesn't work, so stop using them. If you are going to use examples, try to use relatable examples. You use examples from the same industry. Use examples from that workplace, you know. Talk about accidents you've actually had in that workplace. Accidents your contractors might have had. You know, people they know but businesses they know, processes they know, stuff that is relatable. Talk about stuff that clicks with them. And we just spoke about variety as well. Something just kind of jumped to my head because it was at the bottom of my notes. <laughs> um, you know, changing rooms is a good way to change variety. Um, you know, going outside, and having a walk around somewhere, uh, you know, just changing a different room after lunch break, something like that. As much as that's a bit of a pain in the ass, uh, you know, to move all your stuff and you might be set up, but you know, do it if you're going to do an exercise, maybe go and do an exercise in the warehouse or in the factory or something like that. So we talked about quite a lot there, um, and um, we're going to we're going to nip it in the bud now. So let's just do a massively quick summary. Um, you know, focus on wrong people in the room. Have you got the wrong people in the room? Focus on finding out, you know, if these people want to do this job. You know, if someone's not sales, not a salesman, and you're trained to be a salesman, the training's not going to work, is it? If they don't want to be a salesman, okay? You're talking about the wrong stuff, yeah. Don't focus too heavily on laws and regulations, regulations, sorry, and legislation, because they really don't care, and it's probably not going to help them do the job. Yeah, you don't have the environment to support the training that you're delivering. Yeah, so make sure the environment and workplace complements that training. Why? Because 90% of the learning is done in the workplace and 10% is done in the classroom. Remember, guys, you've only got 10% of their attention, 10% of their brain that you get to fill. So fill it with quality. Practice makes permanent. Remember that practice makes permanent, not perfection. Think about yourself. Think about your trainers. Are you a good trainer? Are they a good trainer? Sit with them, find them engaging. If you find them engaging, they're good trainers. Understand the difference between education and training. Remember, remember what Scott Geller says? Would you prefer your kids to go sex education or sex training? And then finally, variety. And if we're laughing, we're learning. All right guys, hopefully that's some 
food for thought. I always struggle to say that. Hopefully that'll help you think around your training at work and maybe change the way you train your delegates. So hopefully that'll help you develop your positive culture in your workplace. Until next week, guys, I'll see you later. I've been James and this has been another episode of Rebranding Safety. Cheers. Bye.